So here we are once again. That's right. It's me, Brian Lacey, back with the Wocast. Uh, thanks, as always, for joining me on a week where we've had a couple of bits of interesting news. First of all, Johnny Jones. Johnny Bones Jones. Oh, my goodness, mate. What is going on? Can you not just get a taxi, an Uber, a driver? Uh, another incident to do with driving for John Bones Jones. Um uh, if you've seen the video, he basically got pulled over, accused of drag racing. Uh, it was filmed all on the uh, the officer's, um, what do you call it, chest cam that uh, records all the uh, the conversations they have with people that they pull over. Um, not great that Johnny Bones Jones called him a pig and a fucking liar. Um, but I don't know if anyone else who watched that video, I don't know if anyone else had this thought or this feeling that the police officer that arrested him, arrested him was a bit of a prick. I mean, what a stupid question. Why is your car so loud? You're staring at probably 300, 200 grand's worth of car, all zooped up. Big spoiler on the back. Take a guess, dickhead. Why do you think it's so loud? But um, uh, we don't know whether... The, the, the accusation was you've been drag, drag uh, uh, racing. Um, we don't know. They might be able to prove it. I don't know if he had something in his car which uh, they, they kept pointing to, uh, which might tell them exactly the speed he was going, as well as the police officer's video. So we'll wait and see what happens with the court case there. But on top of that, John Jones had to hand himself into the Albuquerque Police Department because the, uh, the judge in charge of his case um, said that broke his probation, getting in an altercation with a police officer or um, in any trouble with the police would be a violation of his probation. So in he went, handed himself in, another mugshot for John Jones um, and another question mark over what he's doing mentally outside of the cage. Uh, we'll wait and see. I'm not not passing judgment um, until we find out exactly what evidence they've got to prove that he was doing what they say he was doing. But the, uh, the the scary thing for us MMA fans is we're itching to see him back in the cage. And if this affects the April 23rd fight against uh, Daniel Cormier, um, that will be that just be an absolute shame. So we'll wait and see how that story unfolds. Uh, another story, Cyborg Santos, that's right, is now going to uh, officially make her UFC debut. UFC 198 down in Brazil against Leslie Smith. Leslie the Peacemaker Smith, this is the lady who... Um, uh, her ear exploded against Jessica Rye and she still wanted to carry on fighting um, so they've picked somebody who's hard as nails she's from the Diaz camp um, but will be a massive underdog going in against uh, a, a Cyborg Cyborg has dominated the women's division loads of question marks um, over the uh, whether she could make 135 she doesn't have to now 140 let me know what you think of that do you think um, uh, they, should, they should have kept her at 145 started the 145 division do you think they should have tried to make a mate bantamweight? Is it worth having her in there? Just so that if they're paying her bills, uh, is it worth having her in there? As in, if they're paying her wage, even if she's fighting an Invicta, is it worth having her in there as an asset, as another person that they can uh, promote off? Would this mean that a, a number of 135ers will have to be jumping up to catch weight fights um, to feed Cyborg uh, to keep her in the UFC? Not sure exactly what I think. I think it's great she's in the UFC. She is without a doubt um, one of the scariest martial artists you'll ever see um and she's devastating in the uh, in the 145 division we would hope she would get this ronda rousey fight uh, but the holly home victory over rousey seems to have, uh, have, have literally kicked that in the head so um uh wait and see how that unfolds but i'm glad to see that she's at least getting a ufc debut well deserved uh so what have i got for you this week well first of all we're still doing the competition the brad pickett the one punch brad pickett signed t-shirt is still up for grabs all you've got to do it's so simple is go on itunes go on audio boom whatever you listen to this wonderful podcast on <laughs> i've called myself wonderful very nice uh, whatever you listen to it on um, just go on there rate the podcast give it five stars and leave us a little message in the comments box just trying to boost the uh, the, the the visibility of this podcast uh, so we're going to do a little prize for you we did it last week we're doing it this week and next week we will find out who wins the one punch Brad Pickett t-shirt so uh, make sure you do that on top of that I have got two guests for you this week first of all Paul the Bear Dew Craig a light heavyweight Bama champion 
Um, lots to say as always one of the most colourful characters uh, in uh, in the on the Bama roster and he, um, he he had a few things to say while he was out in uh, in Dublin watching the, the last Bama event Bama 24 and we get down to that uh, who who got under his skin and whose skin he got under so we'll uh, we'll unfold that on top of that I have Neil Magny fresh off the back of his UFC Brisbane amazing performance uh, against Hector Lombard I'm sure his hands are sore from the amount of times he punched Hector to Lombard on in the head on the ground. He's got some interesting uh, um, thoughts on that and uh, and that performance. What he wants next and where he sees himself uh, in the next twelve months, as well as uh, where he stands now in that welterweight division, that row of killers in the UFC. So let's not mess about. Uh, let's get on with the first of our, uh, our, our with the first of our guests. That's right. It's Paul the Bear Jew Craig. So here we are once again. It is the Wocast, joined once again by Paul Bearju Craig. How are you, mate? Um, as always, I am smashing. I am living the dream. Just about uh, just having lunch here and about to go back into class. So it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Oh, well, good. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate you're on the clock, so we will keep it uh, short and sweet. But um, let's find out, how's life been as a Bama light heavyweight champ? I spoke to you uh, a week after you won the belt. Um, has it all changed? Is it silk sheets and Ferraris? What's going down? Yeah, I wish. I wish. <laughs> I wish it was still cheap. Uh, it's pretty much the same life. You know, wake up at five o'clock in the morning, out for half five, doing my thing, back and fed, back out to work, still doing the exact same routine that what for me to beat Martin Lazars and uh, Carol Moore, and I've just not stopped from my last night. I didn't take any time off at Christmas, didn't take any time off at Easter or any sort of special occasions, I always like to stay in shape, and that's pretty much it. Um, and how's the belt doing? Has it uh, has it been by your side for the entire time? No, the the jockey rats man, the farmer. Uh, they let me take the belt home, and I got to do all my publicity stuff out with my with the Daily Record and the Sun and all that sort of stuff, and they took it back off me. No. No. They did. They don't write me saying, no, you need to, you need to win it. Because I only want it. I need to defend it now if I want to keep it. Oh wowzers! Because so, what I was what I was leading to there is I'd uh, I'd seen that I know you haven't taken much time off, but I think you had a stag do or something over the last uh, couple of months because I saw a picture of uh, you fast asleep and one of your chums posing with the belt on his shoulder. Was it a, a Ross Johnston? Oh no, no, that was that was. Yeah, that was straight after uh, Birmingham. Uh, so we'd obviously went out and celebrated with the bell, uh, and I had fallen asleep in the, the bed, which is unusual. I'm usually find me underneath a sink in a drunken stupor, <laughs> and he, my my training partner, Ross, decided it'd be a good opportunity for him to get a shot at the Bama belt and put this selfie. They just kind of put it a few weeks ago, you know, one of the ones where you look through your phone and you find this picture, and you're like, where did that come from? And that was it, and that's how it was... Um, that's how it's, it's managed to get on the old social media. Superb. Well, let's talk a little bit about what else you're doing as well, because uh, um, you're, you're dipping your toe in the podcast water as well, mate. I've been listening, the Bareback Podcast. Um, how are you finding life on the other end of the microphone? Yeah, I've got a podcast. It's going a bit, going a bit mental here. It's going to sound a bit... Oh, can you hear me now? Is that better? Any, any better yeah, there? Sorry okay. about that. Uh, yeah, no, no, I don't wait. Um, yeah, started a podcast called the Bear Back Podcast. Our tagline is uh, "Keep the Bear Back." And <laughs> uh, we stole a wee bit of Joe Rogan there as well, where we said, uh, "You know, the you get that sort of clip which says train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night all day." Yeah, says train by day, Bear Back all night, all day kind of thing. <laughs> so uh, we just kind of that off. It's fun. It's just giving me another uh, opportunity to talk absolute garbage. Um, we're on iTunes as well, so you can listen to it. Same, but you can listen to it through SoundCloud. So it's um, it's different, different interviewing people, and especially when my knowledge of the sport, it's not very great. <laughs> you can find out as you listen to it. Um, well, I've I've listened to a fair few of them, mate, and you're also quite a good uh, uh, quite a good interviewer because you've um, uh, you, you seem to you've done the event you did Bama last time, and you uh, you popped up and you grabbed a few people as you were on round. You're working harder with that microphone than I do, buddy. Yeah, did you? 
I wasn't sure how people would take the, you know, the Paddy, the hooligan hooligan. He's that much a hooligan as you say with his mum and dad and you're only allowed to two beer pong. <laughs> you know, I, I never get any, I never get any backlash. I was expecting somebody to come and say, hey, you know, who do you think you're talking to? I tell you, but not, none of that at all. <laughs> Super. And is it a requirement? I don't know, as we're talking on the podcast, do you have to be semi-naked when talking to you? I see that seems to be a theme. You've got bareback going, uh, you, you you hijacked Luke Barnett with just your pants on and he had his shirt off. Should I be semi-naked right now? Well, it's, it's, it's the best way to be, isn't it? <laughs> the best way to be, so you need, it's a must. When I get the money, when I get the money in the interview room, you've got to, you've got to strip off. That's superb. Well, uh, what, what we're trying to do as well is we're not trying to have it just an MMA. I'm trying to get like other people uh, relevant to sort of uh, sports take them in and talk about different stuff. So last week we had Marcus Nardini and a black belt. The week before that we had a good friend of mine who is a doctor and he's a doctor of English language and he was telling us about his stories and how he performed. He does different martial arts and then we had a few weeks before that we had I don't who was it? It was somebody. There was definitely somebody on. So that's what I'm trying to do. Superb. We're trying to get different sports, and next week coming up, we'll get our world-class kickboxer. So, just trying to do different stuff for it. And it, uh, it's all the people just would say, oh, it's MMA, I'm not going to ask you, I don't like MMA. I don't like MMA, I just like getting punched in the face. <laughs> do you know, I have noticed you don't watch a lot of MMA, just from the talk you do with that, because you've got two uh, co-hosts, main co-hosts anyway, Brian Martin and uh, yeah. D- David McDonald, that's right, two of your your, your coaches and training partners. Um, is David McDonald yeah. the one with the best back in MMA? Is it really that spectacular, his back? Well, I can see if you can find a back to this back. For some reason, he's not a very tall guy. Like he's not small, big. He's not a like a six foot giant. He's probably I'd say about five ten, five eleven, and his back is is as tall as him. It's huge. So that's where the back came from. And when you a beard back together, it makes this great lot of riding beard back. <laughs> we we did start calling Brian the bicep, but he doesn't like it. He doesn't like calling him the bicep because he's got his arms are huge. For a for a wee guy, his arms are huge, so he's going to be bare back bicep. But it just doesn't seem as good as just bare back. Love it, mate. Well, I've been listening. I'm really enjoying it. So, uh, so keep it up. Um, on the other side of the coin, let's talk about your fights and what you got coming up because uh, we miss you, mate. Well, it's been since November, and we've got no sign of a uh, uh, any announcement coming of when you're getting back in the cage. There's been little rumblings of potential opponents, little altercations uh, happening backstage. But um, uh, I mean, what, what's your plan? When you gonna when we're gonna get to see you back in action? You know, I was hoping to get back in action. Bama twenty five. I was hoping Bama twenty. 20- in Ireland didn't happen Bama 25 more than likely not going to happen thought I looked at that card and pretty stacked God dear's making a comeback and you've got other guys fighting on that and I don't think myself I think it would get lost uh, as a headlining uh, as a title shot it would just be another it would just be putting in there for the sake of putting in there we've got Bama 20 the next one's 25 is that correct? 25's in Birmingham and yeah 20 under 26, maybe being in Ireland, not 100% sure. I don't know if it's been confirmed yet. We've had an opportunity there. We've also got... Um, my main thing is what I'm trying to do is get Bama to Scotland. Maybe 27, 28, that'd be amazing. You know, first time Bama came to Scotland and it's for me to defend my belt. I think that'd be an, an amazing... I, I want to fight. I just I can't get the fights, which is a bit of a nightmare. And what, I love staying active. And what? Um, um, so what are you? What, could, uh, go on, carry on. Uh, and what? What? No, so I was just saying if I could. Uh, sorry, keep doing that thing where you know you go. No, you go. <laughs> I, so, uh, you go. Sorry. Now you go. You're you're the one that can punch my head off. You go perfectly well, mate. Go for it. No, I'm a lover. I'm a lover. I would, I would never <laughs> fight another man unless he's in the cage. I'm only playing. Uh, so how far are those talks gone? Because taking Bammer up to Scotland, seeing the way the UFC was received, how quickly the Hydro sold out, and how um, how brilliant the Scottish fans were for their their fighters, uh, it's got to be t- tempting for for Bama to make that trip north with you. Uh, you being a title holder, is, is is there anything on the cards? Have you got anywhere down the line with those conversations? The, the conversations have pretty much when you need to come to Scotland and then they've been the poor wee tweets saying, oh, should we come to Scotland or should we come to Wales? <laughs> and uh, it was it was all for Scotland. Everybody wanted to come to Scotland. You said, Bama, uh, the USC was a massive success 
and I imagine the UFC will be back here within the new year. Um, and I think Bama would be silly not to come, not to take advantage of the UFC bringing more people into the world of MMA. The fact that they've got a champion, the fact that they've signed two Scottish guys, they've got Chris Bunga, yes. training partner, and they've got uh, Green Turner, who's a, a great Scottish fighter as well. So there's an opportunity there. I said this before. I said you know you've got Green Turner and both both Green Turner and Chris Bunga fighting on Bama and Birmingham. They boys win. There's two matches that could be a potential title. You know, the lightweight and I think it's featherweight. Or I'm not sure what Turner is, but there you go. There's three Scottish boys fighting for a title and you maybe have, maybe it's Chris Fields fighting myself, maybe it's the the, the other two champions, but like, you, you don't know who potentially I'm going to fight. But moving on to Chris Fields, because this is, this is what everybody wants to know. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was sort of uh, teasing it out a little bit, mate, but since you've dropped the bomb, let's uh, let's get straight on to it. So you had a little bit of a uh, uh, a coming together at the back of uh, Obama 24 over in Dublin. Explain what happened and and, uh, and how you got in each other's firing lines. Um, I was asked to go to Bama and do some media stuff, you know, do some interviews and... I was meant to be doing more of that behind-the-scenes stuff. Unfortunately, when you take a Scotsman into Ireland, he may get a bit drunk. <laughs> so I started on the Guinness. Now, Guinness, <laughs> Guinness tastes lovely, but it just wrecks you. And when you have one, you're like, oh, that's pretty good. I'll have another one. And it's got a long story short. I had a few jars, too many. And I bumped into Chris Fields after going to the toilet and just hammed the camera there, so this all uh, unfolded as me sort of challenging Chris Fields. Not my finest moment in the world of MMA media, <laughs> but it's certainly not my worst. It's not going to be my worst anyway. Um, I'd asked him, he'd asked his fight to say that I want a title shot, I want a title shot, and I'd sort of said to him, I said, well, do you think you deserve a title shot? You've not won for 2012, you beat a guy who... I beat under two minutes. You nearly took him the full. You nearly took you the first round. You're moving up a week. Class. Tell me why you deserve a title shot. He said, "No, no, that's fine. I'll take. I'll, I'll take another fight, and I'll show you." And I was like, "No, no. I mean, I'm quite happy to have the easy fight." Um, and when watching that, it looks a bit taken aback when I say to him about so what's going to happen. It seems a bit like yeah, and I think he says yes. But he really means no. Like, you know, the my mind's telling me no. The R. Kelly song. This was all about him telling right? him no. And his, it was just beautiful. And his body, oh, his body was telling him yeah. So, <laughs> he, for me, I know I'm crazy. Um, for me, he just didn't look like he wanted to. I obviously, he just wanted to fight. And I was a bit intoxicated. And I'm standing in front of him. And it was just sort of, it was, it was just weird. It was awkward. Um, and then after the bit you don't get to see is when this was right outside SBG's um, locker room and the guys all come out and they all just start intoning about me and there's the, the poor old bear boo, bear boo the bear back uh, the bear Jew standing there himself uh, we all the SBG guys giving him a tight Kefal Pendrix is slagging my punching uh, well, do you know what, mate? I've I've oh, with some of the funniest things I've seen. I've well, I've seen this bit of footage. Have you seen it? Because our Mike Morgan, he's at Woe TV's. Our, our very own Mike Morgan yeah. was the cameraman who was following you and Chris back down uh, while you're having this little chat. And um, <laughs> I don't know if it was he was excited to get the footage or he was scared, but the camera starts shaking a little bit because you walk straight into <laughs> straight into a uh, basically the whole of SBGI's. You've got Kahal Pendred on your right. You've got Paddy Houlihan. Um, John Phillips, uh, you've got all the other team, the training partners, Ashley yep. Daly, and you've stood bang in the middle of them, face to face with Chris Fields. So uh, I've seen that. It's a brilliant bit of footage, and I'm sure that uh, it will come out on the, the unfiltered, or, uh, or, or Bama will use it if this fight does come together, because, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to sell the fight, my friend, because it's, it's a quality bit of film. It's, 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 I don't really want to watch it because I'm cringing thinking about it. But the funniest thing that came out of that was, it was, it was just Kital Pedrix, this guy, slagging my punching. Now, I'm not claiming I'm the best puncher, but come on, Kital, man, you are a bum. You only made it to the UFC because you rode in the back of Conor McGregor's tail. 
how the hell can you slag my, my punching? Retired my butt man like you that you were getting bombed out of you see kid. Um, and so what because originally you I've seen this as well that you did see Chris Fields before you saw him at Bama 22 that was when he was a middleweight and you said you fancied that fight then he, he got yep. under your skin a little bit then um, he also mentioned in this when you do the face to face thing he says you're small for a light heavyweight um, is there and this is maybe slightly left field as well because John Phillips came out of the, the locker room and uh, uh, and got involved as well but is there any chance with with your frame that you could you could do both weights do you reckon you could be a two weight world champion Oh, I, I, I believe I could be a three world champion. A few months back, I was asking to go heavyweight. And then I could go middleweight as well. I'll, I'll take anything that's coming. Uh, I just, I love the thrill of being in that octagon and it's maybe five or ten minutes I'm in there or whatever it is I'm in there. I just enjoy that feeling. <laughs> and you can only get that feeling through being in that octagon in front of all these fans and doing what it is you're doing. Uh, and you talk, you've talked about that before you talked about your second round of your first fight for Bama out in Dublin I was there for that and you came out and you said you had this zen-like moment where you were just in the zone um, Is that yeah. did that happen with your second fight as well is that something as you're getting more comfortable you're 8-0 now aren't you you're undefeated as you're getting more comfortable is that something that, that, that you just lock into now I, I don't think so it was just that moment because I'd never been out the first round and that first round I could have went either way. I could have, I get beat. I get beat that round. Right, I may have done a wee, a wee bit better than him stand up, but he took me to the ground. I was defending a choke. I was defending the ground and pound. And I could have went, I could have went, I could have been, I could have been stopped in that first round, but I came out and, you know, that feeling of just, well, that's what happened in the first round. Let's see what happens in the second round after a good warm up. So, um, and I, I just showed everybody what I can actually do. And I'd say that when I spoke to you after that fight. Well, um, I didn't get proper warm-up, and I believe that's why I was a bit slowly starting, a bit sluggish looking. But after the second round, I'm sure I showed everybody what I can do. Uh, well, look, man, we can't wait to see you get back in it. I know you've got to go off, and you're still doing your, you're still balancing all this stuff, this uh, working with young people and changing lives that way, as well as being Bama champion. Yep. Um, so I know you've got to shoot off. I, I, I know that in uh, when you look at it, and you might say uh, Chris Fields might need one more shot to get that title thing. But just after watching that video, mate, as a fan of MMA and also just watching the storylines and seeing you two go back and forth, I, th- I think that's the fight that I'd like to see. Um, if it was to yep. come up in uh, June um, in Dublin, uh, would you take it on his home turf? Well, definitely. I would, I'd fight him in his back garden. I would find out where he stays and me and him we go out his back garden with some tight spandex so on bare back and roll it. <laughs> Um, see that so he, he'd obviously he'd this piece of this article came out about this barman and he'd said it was was it, was it I can't remember who was the people that were in him and he said about that and then he said I was at Aldi Conor McGregor and then he said that and not three marks and all that sort of jazz um, got one story short one I was wearing a suit and it was a jumper and a jacket um, and I'd obviously said about how I Fighters and that don't have a lot of money, and especially at the lower end where I'm actually sitting, there's not a lot of money in our game. So, would you expect me to wear with our money suits? So, all that sort of jazz. But he then tweets me, I then tweet him back saying about, um, about how funny he was and how people are horrible and he's a creature. And then he comes back and says, oh, I'm really busy, uh, I don't have time for this. Uh, let's just let's just let the fight talk, and then he comes back and tweets me again. So I tweet him back, and he just stops dead. He just stops dead and doesn't want any of it. Doesn't tweet me back or nothing, which is a bit mental. I'm feeling a bit lonely. Oh mate, oh, <laughs> you just want you want some attention. You're sat by your phone and it's not bu- not buzzing. Oh. No, not even not even buzzed once. Um, but I, I, I people I made a comment saying about like uh, how listen. I took me 24 hours to get back to you because I'm actually busy, I'm actually got a job, and actually working, I've got all this other stuff going on. And some guy messages me saying, are you, are you saying, are you saying housewives don't work? And I'm like, what? Are, are you crazy? Are you, are you, I could take what I did and made it permanent into this, like I was slating housewives. What I'm saying is, no, housewives don't work. It's not a job. The housewives work, a different type of work. They just don't have a job. This guy's an absolute plum. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh mate well look just just even this little taster of what this could be just the build up to this is mate i'm sold i'm totally sold and also i just can't wait to see you get back in the cage my friend it's uh uh it's been glorious watching yeah, you. The, 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 the last two fights i've been at have just been amazing so uh, uh we look forward to it also people check out his podcast bareback podcast funny um good bit of banter going on there and some great guests as well so all the best with that my friend and uh yeah. and we'll hook you up uh and we'll speak to you hopefully um before your next fight again mate all right excellent man it's always a pleasure to speak to you always mate and just let people know what your, your twitter handle is so they can get hold of you Hey, you can get me at TTEG MMA on Twitter. Uh, I was putting out a retweet. I'm going to retweet the day with my Aldi suit on. Uh, <laughs> you can get me on any social media site. Type, type in Beard Back. Uh, beard Back. keeps saying Beard Back, man. Mate, get rid got, of this Beard You've got to change this. You've got to change and, this. <laughs> I know. I know. There's and a... then you'll find out. You'll, you'll get all my, my posts. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You name it. There's pictures anyway. I find out what I'm eating for my lunch, find out how I'm training, what I'm trying to push myself. Oh, also, so it's, it's, what, it's you, what you're doing a little bit of touch bum as well, because you've got a movement coach now, haven't you? Yeah, the, the Bandico, El Bandico. <laughs> El Bandico. He, he's, uh, <laughs> uh, he's, he's a man. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't too keen on getting in old action, but he looks just spitting him as you idle puff all. It's weird, that, isn't it, so mate? We thought, why not? Why not? I mean, why not? Why not just have a bit of a laugh uh, and get him to do some of this? Well, mate, if, you, if the cage stuff doesn't work out, then I think a place on Strictly Come Dancing after seeing the way you move and those <laughs> hips, my friend. Hey, look, man, you I get... move like a young George of <laughs> you, you get on with your day, my friend. I'll speak to you soon. Take care, buddy, all right? I will do it, right? Cheerio, bye, man. So there we have Paul the Bear Dew Craig. Uh, what a delight to talk to that man. Really excited to see him get back in the cage uh, and very interested in that Chris Fields fight. I've seen the footage. I've watched the clip that Mike Morgan, our very own Mike Morgan at wotv.com, uh, caught backstage at Bama 24 in Dublin. Uh, really interesting. And that even watching it, I can't imagine what it would have been st- like stood in that corridor with uh, all the SBGI guys stood around while uh, Chris Fields and um, Paul Craig went toe-to-toe verbally at at least uh, so <laughs> I'll be interested to see what Bama do with that for me it's a it's a fight that they could easily mark it off the back of that and uh, with that little bit of heat both uh, both fighters won the champion Chris Fields was one of the highest profile fighters they've got on the Bama roster um, would definitely I'll definitely tune in for that without a doubt so we'll wait and see what happens there so uh, uh, thanks again to Paul Craig now moving on to my next guest that is right delighted to talk to this man what a performance he put on down at UFC Brisbane and uh what a gentleman for sparing the time to talk through it with me. So let's welcome to the podcast the marvellous Neil Magney. Uh, so here we are. It's Brian Lacey with the Wocast, uh, joined by one of the busiest men in the UFC, Neil Magney. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Hey man, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. I know you've uh, uh, you've only just got back from Australia. You're back in Colorado already, is that right? Yep, I got back in uh, in in Colorado on Saturday. I was back in the gym yesterday, so everything's good to go on my end now. No rest for the wicked, my friend. My goodness. <laughs> Excellent. Well, look, let's let's talk about this fight. U- UFC Brisbane, one of the most epic performances uh, uh, I- I've seen in a long time. Let's first of all, I've got to congratulate your coaches on coming up with a brilliant game plan to wear Hector Lombard out in the first round by just letting him punch you in the face for, <laughs> for five minutes. How was that? <laughs> what happened, mate? Have you watched it with your coaches? Have they told you off yet? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the game plan was to wear Hector out, but it wasn't to necessarily get punched in the face 40 times before doing so. Um, <laughs> I just work my work a little bit, keep moving, keep my ass out of my punches, kind of getting frustrated and making work for his shots or whatever, but... Uh, he did a good job catching me early on and uh, putting a storm on me. Um, let's talk about that because uh, there's the, the way they've scored the rounds, they've put the scores out. There was a 10-8 round first round, 10-8 round second round, 
uh, for you. So you came back and did that. How was that first round? I mean, how badly hurt were you? Have you watched it back? Um, some people argue it might have been stopped in the first round. Would you agree with any of that? I mean, obviously not with the, uh, the way um, you weathered it and got the win. No, I mean, in the, in the first round, even though it looked really bad, I was still there. I was still doing a good job of trying to cover up and get back to my feet and get the fight back. Uh, I mean, I, I was aware of what the ref was saying the entire time. I heard the ref telling me to to uh, keep working, to uh, find a way back up. Uh, I heard him warning Hector about punching me in the back of the head and things like that. So there was never a point in the fight where I was, like, completely unconscious or unaware of what was going on. So um, I don't think it should have been stopped in the first. It just kind of... Uh, he just never gave me an opportunity to really get back to my feet or, or, or get uh, some offense going. I mean, he just did a good job of like, pressuring me the entire time and not giving me a chance to uh, necessarily recover or get to a good position. Uh, when you were taking those shots as well, when you were taking the, the barrage of shots he threw at you in the first round, could you feel them getting um, lighter? Did you, could you feel him wearing himself out, punching himself out? Because uh, it looked very similar to the Brock Lesnar Carwin one where Brock Lesnar came out afterwards and said he could tell he was wearing himself out. If he could just weather the storm, get the next round, then he would have the advantage. No, I mean, I, I never thought about that at all. I was just thinking get to a position where I'm able to get the fight back. I mean, uh, when punches are flying, I, I never really think about, like, oh, man, this guy might get tired. It's just kind of like, oh, wow, I'm really in danger right now. I have no way to uh, get back to my feet or cover up or something. So for me, it was all about, like, finding a way to protect myself and then get back to a position where I would be safe and able to recover. Uh, well, that's stupid question number one from Brian there. I apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> But let's talk about that second round because um, uh, let's talk about between the rounds. What did your corner say to you? And uh, uh, could you tell from looking across the cage at him that actually that maybe you've got more, more in the tank than him for this second round? Um, I mean, that's something we knew going into the fight, that the longer the fight went on, the better it would work out for me. Um, in between rounds with, with the first and second round, they just pretty much said, like, all right, go ahead and stay long. I mean, he tagged you in that first round because he got a little bit closer. You're playing in his range. So uh, they're pretty much telling me to get back to my range so I can get the fight back. So I went out there and tried to set up uh, my range right away. And then uh, once again, I did a good job of closing that distance and getting getting in on me again. So uh, once the fight hit the ground, I felt I was pretty much able to get in control there by uh, using my submissions and using my guard to like, kind of control his posture and control him and then uh, take the fight back from there. Uh, and uh, you, you turned it around, so you got you, you you went down in the second round. You, you you he went for a leg lock, and you turned it around to get the dominant position. From there, it was all you. And um, I, I don't know if you have, have you watched it back. Have you seen the? Um, uh, well, first of all, what did you think about the, the, the how long it went on for? Your face seemed to tell a story when you stood up at the end of the second round. There was a sort of <laughs> WTF look on your face, like really, you're gonna let it carry on? Um, what what we what was going through your mind there? Because I I stopped counting the punches. That's that's how bad it got. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I knew once I got on top, I was doing some, uh, landing some pretty good shots and doing some damage. Uh, once he turned over and gave me his back, I mean, there are times I literally felt his body go limp underneath me, and I'll just like keep punching him still, and I felt him come back too. So I was just like really, really trying to punch and like find a way for the ref to stop it, but um, the ref didn't call the fight, so I just kept on punching. I mean, I literally punched him till time ran out, uh, hoping that the ref would stop or he would go up. Uh, and neither one happened, so I just kind of picked up where I left off in the third round. Wow. Uh, I think Sean Percival, I think that's his name, wasn't it, the referee? I think he was working on an overtime basis for this fight, I think. <laughs> I think he was getting paid per minute or something. I want to check his contract because uh, that was really hard to watch because you were you were so dominant. Like you said, you could even see him go limp at some points. There was, And I don't know if you've watched it back, and um, the, the referee for the main event, Mark Goddard, was have you seen the reaction Mark Goddard's given in in the uh, the fight while it's going on? Have you seen that? No, I haven't been able to see that yet. Right. Well, this will be a little treat for you. Um, go back and watch the second, the end of the second round. And Mark Goddard has uh, uh, sat. You can see him in frame with you. You're above. You've got full mount. You're you're raining down shots. And Mark Goddard has got the same 
look on his face is when I take my wife to see a horror movie and she doesn't like watching the scary bits. He's literally got his ha- <laughs> hand over his face, shaking his head. Um, you should go back and watch that because uh, it's been pointed out on a couple of websites as well. Uh, he obviously wasn't happy with how long it went on and um, and you could see it was very uncomfortable to watch. Uh, but saying that, you can only do what what's in front, as in like if the referee doesn't stop it, you can only get up and carry on. And you did that. You got a full mounted triangle, got the punches going down in the final round and finished Hector Lombard, the first man ever to do that, my friend. How does that feel? Oh, it felt great. I mean, being the first guy to uh, finish Hector Lombard after over 30 professional fights was a pretty good feeling. And on top of that, he was undefeated at welterweight. So I was one of the first guys or one of the only guys to beat him at welterweight as well. So it definitely felt pretty good. And I felt like I made a statement going into 2016 as far as where I stand in the welterweight division and what I have to offer. Um, not only did you finish him, but you sent him packing from the welterweight division as well. That's that says a lot as uh, as to what sort of uh, heat you brought. He's now moving up to uh, to middleweight. He's getting the hell out of Neil Magny's house. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, he realized that the guys that welterweight, I mean, they can hit just as hard and they can keep going. Where as middleweights tend to like not have as much cardio as the as the welterweights do. So um, that might be a good choice for him to go back to to middleweight where he can. Uh, be a little bit more durable and not cut as much weight and have a little bit more in the gas tank there. Uh, and let's talk about what you did to celebrate. It sounds like you just got on a plane and came home, but I know Dan Hooker was down there with you. He was successful as well. I'm a huge fan of Dan. I think he's one of the nicest uh, nicest men in MMA. I've talked to him a few times. What did you two, did you hit the town, any nightclubs? What happened afterwards? Yeah, so I spent about a, a week or so in Australia after, after the fight. I mean, uh, my girlfriend came into town on, on Monday, so we kind of spent the, a day in Brisbane, Brisbane, and then went over to the Gold Coast and spent some time there. So it's kind of hanging out on the beach and, and enjoying ourselves for a bit before coming back to Colorado and go back to work. Fantastic. Get any surfing in, my friend? No, I'm not a big fan of surfing. I mean, I'm barely a good swimmer, so for me to go out there on a the board in the middle of the ocean probably is not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Also, I don't quite fancy swimming with sharks. That's something that I don't ever fancy uh, dipping my toes in there. Uh, it's dangerous enough you've just been in a cage. But let's let's talk about the reaction on Twitter as well from your fight. Um, you're getting so much respect uh, as a fighter um, from fighters and fans alike. Uh, it was brilliant to see people like Tim Kennedy give you a shout out, Joseph Benavidez, and then Dana White himself uh sending a little tweet out just giving you the utmost props i mean um it's taken it feels like because you fight so often it feels like it's taken a long time uh for people to suddenly get on this hype train because you always seem to be the underdog yet you always deliver it's uh do you you feel a corner turning now um yeah definitely i feel like i I need to like walk the ropes and i kind of uh to put in the words to get to where i'm at now i mean at first it was a bit frustrating as i thought i should have been getting more recognition, more credit than than I than I was getting at the time. But at the end of the day, when I look at it in hindsight, it was just I was just getting exactly what I needed at the time to, to get to get me to where I'm at now. And I feel like everything played out to be where it, where it should be now. So to be getting the recognition from guys like Dana White and Tim Kennedy is, is definitely an awesome feeling. I mean, uh, like I said earlier, I feel like that fight definitely made a huge impact. Not only uh, being the first man to stop Hector Lombard, but like just where I stand in the Welsh division now and uh, going forward, it puts me in a real good place. Is this why you're back in training? Uh, because there's, uh, and I, I, I don't know whether you tweeted it or Facebooked it, but you put a little uh, message about just being ready, just in case, because there's Rory McDonald, uh, Wonderboy, around the corner. Your teammate, Matt Brown. In fact, before I ask this question, um, have you seen the rankings? Because you've knocked Matt, Matt Brown down when you are now ranked number seven. Matt Brown is number eight. Have you sent him a little tweet with that picture? Yeah, I mean, it's just one of the things that I realized with the welterweight division. I mean, for a while, I was constantly gunning to get to the top 15, get to the top 10. And, and now that I'm sitting here, I'm kind of like, you know what? Those rankings really don't mean anything. I mean, in order to get a title shot, I feel like you just have to have an impressive performance and, and be relevant. And that's where I want to get to now. I mean, if I were to sit out and hold out for the top five guy, I could be sitting on the shelf for the next six to eight months and see how things play out. So... Uh, I'd much rather get back to the gym, get back to training. And if I assume it comes up because someone gets injured or pulls out of a fight, I'll be ready for it. But at the same time, I just want to, to stay active and stay relevant. I mean, I feel like a great performance would get me a title shot before sitting around and waiting for it. Well, 
Um, it's certainly put you on the map, mate. It's, uh, it's it's been an unbelievable reaction to this fight, and and uh, uh, and, and well deserved as well. It's been just a, just a crazy response. It feels like a um, uh, like a real pivotal moment in your career. This watching it as a fan, uh, and also just seeing the reaction to to the fighters around you. Uh, like I said, Roy McDonald's Wonder Boy is coming up uh, as as a main event. Uh, Matt Brown is taking on Damian Meyer, one of your previous opponents as well. That's sort of the top four um top four or five fighters up there um who who else are you sort of gunning at or looking forward to uh to progress this journey and when would you like to fight because the other thing is madison square garden my friend how does that sound yeah that sounds great i mean uh, for me to fight in madison square garden being a kid that grew up in new york city would be like a dream come true i mean that's like where to want to fight. I mean, that would be the best fight. I know a lot of times people ask me, like, man, you traveled all over the world to fight. Where would you have one place that you want to fight? And for me, I think it would be Madison Square Garden. So if that goes through, that would be a dream come true for me. Um, but as far as, like, when I want to fight next, I mean, I just want to stay active. I mean, there are a lot of guys in the welterweight division that kind of want to pick and choose fights and say, like, oh, I need to fight that guy. I need to fight that guy to give me the title shot. And at the end of the day, those rankings don't mean a single thing. Like I said earlier, uh, in order to get title shots, I believe yourself put on great performances and have the fans want you to see want to see you fight for a title and kind of like like earn your spot to fight for a title, not just like, oh, I beat number two, that means I get a title shot. I'm like, no, you need to like really be able to back it up. I mean, if you look at any other division in the UFC, I mean, these guys are going on, like Donald Sorin, for example, when he fought for the lightweight title, he was on an eight-fight win streak before he got his shot. But in the welterweight division, you'll see guys go one and one and get a title shot or go uh, two and one and get the title shot. So I, I just feel like I need to stay relevant, stay active, and uh, put in great performances that the fans want to see me fight for the title. And that's what's going to get me there. Uh, it sounds like, uh, is it your dog that is now giving a beating on a squeaky toy uh, over there? What's that? What's that? Yeah, that's That's brilliant, mate, because uh, you just kept talking. You, the dog's obviously been chasing you for a while. What I do appreciate as well, that's a proper dog. I did an interview with Brad Pickett and he brought out this little fluffy thing and he held it on his lap while I interviewed him, which was a bit weird. Uh, what's the dog called? <laughs> And, uh, yeah, she's a Rottweiler, so there's probably no way I can hold her on my lap during the interview. <laughs> At least eight five pounds right now, so that probably won't work too well. That's funny. Well, there's there's no way I'd probably interview you two near her. She looks cute though, my friend. There you go. Look at that. A lover and a fighter. That's great. Um, so look, let's 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 get back to you rather than the squeaky toys. Uh, so uh, th- 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 you talked about <laughs> you're moving away from the dog now. Yeah, I'll try to put a toy away. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this fighter problems. Um, you talked about growing up in New York. When did you make the move to Colorado? Because you and let's talk about the transition your gym's taken. Uh, Elevation, uh, Muscle Farm Gym. That that's tr- transformed hugely over the last few years. Uh, when did you make the move over there? Um, I moved to Colorado about three years ago to take uh, to be part of the Elevation Fight Team. Uh, when I first moved here, it was because I was on the Ultimate Fighter and all the coaches on the show were uh, Shane Carlin coaches from Colorado. And they, I just kind of liked the way this, they set things up on the show. I mean, uh, they brought out – Shane Carlin did a good job of bringing out the guys to help make him successful to help me. Brought out on the Ultimate Fighter in order to help us become where he's at. So – I really appreciate him doing that, and that was part of the reason I moved to Colorado is because I just I needed that structure. I needed uh, training partners, and I just needed good coaches. So um, at the end of the season, they invited me out to, to train for a bit, and I just decided to type and move here. Uh, what an amazing thing, and uh, and what a turn of luck as well, because the, the gyms transform. Muscle Farm now sponsor the gym, and they've fully kitted it out. You've got people like TJ TJ Dillashaw, uh, Matt Brown, Dan Hooker, even Joanna Jacek was out there for a little while as well. How was it training with her? Dude, she's a beast. I can see why she's the champion where she's at now. I mean, just uh, her competitive edge just takes her so far. I mean, she was going against the guys, the girls, that whoever was in front of her, she was just going out there and just being tenacious and putting it on them. Like, and she just doesn't stop. Like, most of the time you have guys come to elevation and train, that, that elevation really hits them and they just aren't able to push as well. But it didn't seem to affect her at all. She just pushed right through it and was just constantly grinding and, and trying to get better. 
Uh, and is that a sign of things to come? Will she be making some of her camp, uh, doing some of her camp out there uh, for a while? Because she was at Jackson's as well. It looks like she's trying a couple of camps uh, over in the U.S. Um, I think she's just trying to figure out what works best for her. I mean, uh, what, what something that works for one person may not be the best thing for another. So she's just trying to go around and find out where she fits best. I mean, she's given some time at Jackson. She might be going to a couple of other places, but she's just trying to find uh, the camp that works best for her fighting style and, and uh, has the most to offer her as far as like becoming a better fighter. Uh, and how's it been watching the gym fill with these absolute monsters? This must be uh, uh, just a dream come true for you, especially sparring partner-wise. People like TJ Dillashaw and Dan Hooker there for you to uh, uh, grow your skills with. That's uh, uh, That's got to be as good as any new bit of kit that you've got in the gym just watching these animals walk through the, uh, the doors. Yeah, honestly, it keeps you on your game. I mean, uh, there's no days I go into the gym and kind of slack off because my training partners are making pay for it. So... Every single day of training camp, I have to pretty much bring my best and try to go out there and uh, and uh, do a, perform great. Otherwise, I'm going I'm to pay for it. Like my training partners won't let me have a day off, and um, if I'm slacking, they'll definitely let me know that I'm slacking. So uh, it's definitely good to have good training partners around and guys to really push you and motivate you in training. Uh, and uh, and you talk about guys in training. Let's talk a little bit about life outside. You say you've got a girlfriend. Is it a long-term girlfriend, a partner that's been with you for a while? Yeah, so we've been together for about uh, going on two years now. So definitely getting closer to that point where it's like, all right, Neil, what are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know how much longer I can wait. So see what happens in the next hey, few months. Man, <laughs> bring her in now. Let's do it live on the WOCast. Come on, let's. <laughs> sure. Oh man, that's that's brilliant. And uh, uh, having that sort of support as well, is that, I mean, I know you've got a military background. Uh, has your family always been supportive of you taking this this career? Uh, not so much with them. I mean, they'd much rather me do something else, like my grandmother especially. But uh, at the end of the day, when I give her a choice, like, all right, I can either go uh, back overseas or I can become a fighter. And when I give her the choices that way, she's like, all right, I guess fighting it's not too bad, so I'll, I'll let you fight, I guess. <laughs> but uh, the, the more I've been in the sport, the more they see how much I love it. They've just kind of been trying to support me more with it. So that's been a good thing. Man, they, they've got to get on board soon because uh, I think you're 10 and 11 in your last 11 fights. Um, and the, the, the train is leaving the station. If your family don't get on board now, they're in trouble, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the crazy part is the more wins I get, the more random cousins pop up on Facebook and Twitter and things like that. I mean, there's <laughs> just more and more like, hey, I'm your cousin from so-and-so. I'm like, oh, really? I didn't know I had so many cousins out there in the world. <laughs> well, well, I've got a surprise for you, Neil. This isn't really a podcast interview. I'm, I'm your long-lost brother. How about that? There we are. We've... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's uh, so you've got your your family things going on there as well. That's that is absolutely amazing. Your UFC career is flying. Do you have to pinch yourself a little bit um, that you're Neil Magny and this is the life you're living right now? Definitely. That's how I felt in Australia. I mean, after that Hector Lombard fight, I literally slept like an hour every single night because I just this felt so surreal. I was like, wait, that really just happened. I was just, like waiting for the moment where I just woke up and it's like ah, the fight didn't happen yet. It was just a joke or <laughs> it was just a dream, but. Like two days after the fight, I couldn't even sleep. I just, I just had so much adrenaline and so much emotions going through my body. It was like, wow, I can't believe that just happened. I can't believe where I'm at in my career now and uh, where things are going. I mean, even the days after the fight, I was a trending topic on Facebook. I was like, wait, what? My name is a trending topic on social media. Yep, still, still there. Oh, sorry about that. We lost we lost you a little bit. Uh, when you were, you were saying you're a trending topic on social media, that's got to be a, a highlight, my friend. There you go. Uh, that's what we all look for, a little bit of a hashtag in a good way rather than a, a John yeah, Jones yeah. getting pulled over way. There you go. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, before before I let you disappear, first of all, thank you again for the time. It's been an absolutely unbelievable um, uh, ride just as a fan watching your growth and uh, especially that last fight it feels like a truly pivotal moment in your career um what uh, you, you've talked about uh, you, the team what you're doing next what 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 are the other side what's the other side of it i mean uh, as far as how many fights have you got left in your career uh, do you think how, how long do you want to do this for what's what's the long plan uh um, the, the long-term goal, or I guess the short-term goal at this point, is just get that title shot in UFC and, and become a UFC champion. I mean, from there, it just depends on uh, how much damage my body's taking and how well 
I'm able to pull out with it. I mean, uh, have, when you have guys like Nate Marquardt in your life, whatever, it helps you to see what's more important in your life. I mean, I realized that fighting is just a small part of my life and it's not who I am. And there's become, there's a come a day where I have to walk away from it. And then, uh, watching him when he has four beautiful children, a wife, things like that. I mean, it kind of gives you other goals outside of fighting outside the cage that you want to set yourself up for. And that's kind of the things that I'm looking at as well as like going for the title. I was like, all right, I want to get myself to a comfortable place where I'm able to provide for my wife and kids and live a pretty comfortable life and, and be well off rather than just having to struggle for the rest of my life or, or grinding in and out the gym or fight because I feel like I have to. I want to fight because I enjoy it. And when I walk away from the sport, I want to feel like I accomplished what I set out to accomplish and, I, and, uh, and my job is done. I don't want to walk away from it because I have to because I'm told to. I want to walk away from it with a clear mind and know that I've, I've accomplished what I set out to accomplish and uh, my time has come to go out and do something else. So... Uh, for now, I'm just going to give all I have and pursue that title, but uh, who knows what happens in the next couple of years. Uh, well, you're certainly setting yourself up to have a legacy. Not only, I mean, I think it's 14 fights in the UFC, 14 or 15, 14 fights in the UFC you've had already in your career there. Uh, a win that's uh, put you well on the map and uh, well in range for that, that title shot. I think you're obviously uh, looking for uh, to get it as soon as possible, but I think over the next two years, Keep doing what you're doing, my man, and it will be uh, an in, in, inevitable um, outcome from, from the sort of uh, work you're putting in and the performances that are coming from it. Um, anything you want to say to the fans before you disappear off, my friend? Oh, none. Just uh, thank you guys so much for all the support that I get. I mean, just continue to follow me on social media, at uh, Neil Magny on Twitter and Facebook, and uh, pretty much just thank you guys so much for all the support. Hey, man, we'll keep trying to get you trendy, my friend, and uh, go play with that dog. Go on, go and play with the dog, all right? Uh, I really appreciate the, I really appreciate the time, Neil, and, uh, and we'll speak again hopefully before your next fight, uh, if, if that's possible, all right? Yep, definitely. Cool. All right, have a good one. So there we have Neil Magny. What a delight to talk to him. What a pivotal moment in his UFC career, in his MMA career. Uh, very excited indeed to see what happens next with Neil. Um, I will say this as well. Uh, I apologise if I seemed a bit distracted during that interview. I was doing the interview and uh, halfway through it, my computer started playing up. It was The screen started going funny and I didn't know if it was affecting the recording. So I was trying to make sure the recording was still going and think of what question to ask next. So if I was uh, a little bit random in a couple of spots, I apologise. I couldn't do anything about it. But uh, Neil was a gentleman. So was his dog squeaking his toy at us as well. So uh, uh, chuffed to get Neil on the podcast. Um, also, big thanks to Paul Craig, my first guest as well. Always good to talk to him. And like I said at the top of the podcast, before I let you disappear, um, the One Punch Brad Pickett signed T-shirt is still up for grabs. All you got to do is go on whatever medium you listen to this podcast on. iTunes. Uh, audio boom anything else you listen to it on go on there rate the podcast give us five stars um, stick a little comment underneath and uh, and we'll, we'll give it to one of the people that does that it's our way of just uh, bribing you to help us make make this podcast a little bit more visible it will be a, a huge help for us to uh, to boost the profile of this podcast so what we're doing for that is giving away this wonderful prize this hand signed uh, one punch Brad Pickett t-shirt so make sure you do that uh, Next week, hopefully, going to get Neil Siri on. He's, uh, he's just had a fight with uh, Horiguchi signed. Um, uh, he fought uh, Demetrius Johnson for the title, uh, and now he's fighting Neil Siri. Very excited to talk to him about what's, uh, what's, yeah, what his thoughts are on this matchup. And I'm also going to try, like I said at the top of the podcast, to try and get Leslie Smith to see what her thoughts are, how excited she is to welcome Cyborg to the UFC. Um, as always, get in touch. Find me on what, uh, Facebook forward slash Wocast uh, on Twitter at Wocast. Check out all the work we do on wotv.com. Some amazing stuff coming out of there. Uh, and till next time, I will see you again. Yeah.